it was this sleazy place where I, I sort of felt like the mask of America had been peeled off and you were actually seeing the grinning skull underneath it with all of the base urges kind of revealed. And it, and it wasn't just the fact that there were guys trying to sell me nickel bags and uh, guys handing me flyers for strip shows and all that kind of stuff. It was that it was all surrounded by the towering giants of capitalism, you know. So, you know, everything was there and this was the biggest city in the world and right in the middle of it, you could walk down the street and get a hand job. Welcome back. And I say welcome back because it's been how fucking long since we've recorded? Eons, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you probably haven't noticed as much because we've still been putting up the weekly episodes, but we've definitely uh, shot through our backlog and are now up against the wall on making sure we get these out on time. Mm-hmm. Um, I for- which is going to be... Interesting. I feel like I've forgotten how to podcast. Yeah, so we'll I'm see sure how, this, how this when... goes. Um, I know the first movie that we watched specifically for this week, we watched like over two weeks ago. And um, that was just because we had time in between getting possession and doing stuff to throw a movie on. Mm-hmm. But no, we've spent the, uh, as we've mentioned before, we just moved. And so we spent the last two weeks painting house. And... At this point, it's been like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It probably just feels like that. We got possession uh, two and a half weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, when our uh, oh, yeah, Morning ha- for Haunted Houses episode went up. That's right. And it's been a whirlwind since. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am conflicted to report that the house is in no way haunted. There's no mm. secret rooms or secret cellars. There's no weirdos living in the walls. No red rooms. Um, conflicted because my horror-loving heart... Always has a bit of that, hey, wow, kind of thing. <laughs> but also very relieved because I don't actually want to live in that. Yeah, I'm not that horny for haunted houses. Yeah, yeah, we're not as hardcore as perhaps our episode titles make us seem. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're back, and this is a, a very special episode. And I say very special episode just because we have a theme to go with it. Mm-hmm. Because this is our uh, 42nd episode. And... 42 is a very important number. Um, a lot of people will tell you it's the meaning of life, and they'll get all Hitchhiker's Guide with you. Uh, ideally, my dad would be like that and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, that's good for you. But I love this because of the glory that is 42nd Street and that the Grindhouse was. Cinemas. Yes, that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fake nostalgia for something we never experienced. Yeah, for a city I've never been to, for a, a state and a part of a country that I've never been to. Yeah. But that, that is the, that in my eyes is the prime Americana. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what Lana Del Rey makes us sad about. Oh my god. I would love something that's like a crossover between Lana Del Rey and like one of those New York acts, like Blondie or something, doing just fucking Americana for 42nd Street. <laughs> that would just be like the greatest album that ever existed. That would be something. 
I'd buy it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> um, no, we are talking about 42nd Street. Um, we're talking specifically about horror movies and cult movies that set on that, in that geographical location during mm-hmm. that time period that kind of utilize the ambience and the degraded uh, je ne sais quoi of <laughs> the uh, 42nd Street kind of aesthetic. Should we go into that a bit for those who don't know? Sure. I think that's actually a good way to get into the first movie, which is a sort of... We didn't watch it for this. We actually watched this a few months ago, but it kind of gave us the idea for this episode. Mm -hmm. But we watched the documentary 42nd Street Memories, The Rise and Fall of America's Most Notorious Street from 2015, which kind of goes into what drove us to do this as a topic. Mm -hmm. So 42nd Street, uh, it was this street that... It's um, sort of had notoriety and fame and and all that throughout the 20th century. Like, I believe it cropped up in musicals about it as early as, like, the 1930s and mm. shit like that. But the, the 42nd Street we're talking about is when it was known as The Deuce, which, you know, there's that HBO show that we still need to dive into. We do. All about that. But it was a hotbed. It was like the red light district of New York. It was, was a hotbed of... Uh, <laughs> Grindhouse theaters, sleaze, uh, drug dealings, prostitution—you know—all that stuff that's considered unseemly. The underbelly. It was the. It was just the belly of that strip yeah. of street. Yeah, but what really gets us as film fans, it, other than just you know our love of sleaze and that sort of like cult aesthetic that goes with that, is uh, it was such a hotbed for exploitation cinema because like every other building on a good chunk of it was like a movie theater that would just like a grindhouse theater it would just show shit 24 hours a day yeah yeah and uh a lot of my favorite movies are the kind of movies that would just screen there like those really nasty like that like britain has the video nasties america has like the 42nd street grindhouse those kind of things, like we're talking kung fu movies, uh, cannibal movies, Italian imports, slasher movies. Exploitation, straight oh, up porn. Yeah, yeah, this is also, uh, you know, the golden era of pornography was kind of big on uh, this particular Yeah, so you get street. your porno theaters too. And those that just do a bit of everything. So 42nd Street uh, Memories, the documentary we watched, it was a bunch of interviews with filmmakers, film critics, and film fans who were just so highly influenced by this uh, little strip there. Like, you've got talks from uh, Joe Dante, Frank Henenlotter, and the, the likes of them who they grew up going to these, like, 24-hour-a-day repertory theaters and just watching... Well, I guess they weren't repertory theaters at the time because these were first-run fucking shows then. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would just get taken double and triple and quadruple bills of various exploitation and fucked-up movies. And so it kind of influenced this wave of filmmakers. Now, this documentary, I uh, it's available on Grindhouse Releasing's Pieces Blu-ray as mm-hmm. a special feature. That's how we saw it. That's right. It's by uh, Callum Waddle, who also did... A great one about Giallo that's on Synapse Films' Tenebrae release, and another one about Cannibal Films that's on Grindhouse Releasing's Cannibal Ferox release. So he's done a few film retrospectives that just look at particular subgenres or movements or time periods, and they're always quite engaging because there's a lot of they're the ones that are just interview based. And you hear all these fucking stories. Oh my where, god, the stories. Yeah, the stories are so good. Holy shit. Uh, what were some of your favorites <laughs> that you can recall? Um, 
just the, the the cast of characters that seem to almost like I don't want to say live in the theaters, but practically because w- one of the things that they noted was that you know in the really hot summers these theaters were often air conditioned, so yeah. you pay your couple bucks to go in for a twenty four hour feature and just go and sleep in there because yeah. it's, it's air conditioning for a couple bucks. You can yeah, you get out of the heat. Yeah, you've got a place with like a roof over your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, not much of a roof. Some of these places they were just constantly leaking. Oh yeah, and, like, collapsing, uh, but. But it was something, right? And if you're homeless or have a very sort of like precarious uh, housing situation, especially in the summer, if it gets up to like 40, this is Celsius above, and and God knows what with with the humidity, it's like, yeah, AC for, you know, scrounge up a couple bucks or whatever, and there you go. It's funny, because when you put it that way, that reminds me of video drums, the cathode ray mission. Or it's that homeless oh, mission yeah. that just has all the TVs, right? And it's like because we want to pe- we want to plug people into the world's mixing board, as they call it. Right. Um, but this was like the real life version of that, where it was just like movies showing a uh, sleaze culture all the time. But they and didn't pretend to have a higher calling or were doing no, no charity. It, w- it wasn't very Cronenbergian. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. um, I feel like you know there's probably a lot of body horror going on in these things. Oh God! Like yeah. uh, the this- dude like standing on the balcony just pissing over the rail yeah or the dude who's just sitting in the seat pissing straight up in the air <laughs> and then uh i can't remember I, it might have been frank Hanenwater who recounted this story i don't remember but the guy's just pissing straight up in the air and he caught the eye of the of whoever was in the interview staring and just gave him a cheery wave and just kept <laughs> pissing and staring at a stream of piss going up like a fountain um there was that lady who yeah, used yeah. to always do her laundry and she'd like take She'd, over like, the dry- first two rows <laughs> and if you tried to sit in them apparently she would like shoo you off yeah because she would pissed. hang her clothes she would wash her clothes in the bathroom and then hang them over the first two rows of seats to dry and everyone's like yeah this is just that's just it's this lady's laundry day so don't fuck with her because yeah, yeah that's just how it is yeah <laughs> and, and for, like we just accept that yeah and you know there were drug deals going on there were tricks there were hookups there's stories of like don't go in the bathroom because you know they like unscrew the lights so it's dark in there when you go and you get mugged mm-hmm. um Ringo Brigade in full force, like all of this kind of stuff. I believe it was Jeff Lieberman who did Squirm, among other uh, schlock movies, who talked about how one of his fondest memories that is like one of those abject memories was just walking in and there's always this sort of, as he put it, patina of filth covering the floors. Like you never know what's down there. And it's just like these theaters rarely got cleaned. And when they did get cleaned, they barely got cleaned. Mm. It honestly sounds like a wild time. It does. Yeah, no, compared to um, the sort of Disneyfication that has since happened and all of the gentrification, all these things that have made New York increasingly unlivable and unaffordable for, let's face it, like all the people we're talking about who would have frequented this area. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it because so much of it, like you know, being in a theater with a dude who's pissing up in the air. That sounds like the worst thing ever. Oh yeah, but, it sounds awful. <laughs> but there's something about it where it's just like, I don't know, this authenticity for yeah, lack of a better yeah. word. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, one thing I take from it is it makes me think of appreciate film going like at the cinema as mm-hmm. that sort of communal spectator yes, sport kind absolutely. of thing. Like. It's funny, it seems like a weird mix of what Alamo Draft House tries to do, mm-hmm. but also the opposite of that, where they have strict rules about no talking and all that kind of stuff, where it's just like, I don't go to the theaters that often for mm-hmm. such a film fan. I mean, with the uh, advent of home media and how good the Blu-rays fact, look and yeah, all that. Yeah, and the fact that a 
like for us to go see a movie together, the amount we spent on tickets same as the Blu-ray is the same as it would take to buy a Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like so twenty-four bucks. At yeah, least plus so tax. it's one of those things where it's like I stay home a lot of the time, but at the same time, there's some movies that I want to go to. Like I went and saw Grindhouse back when that came out, mm-hmm. and you know people were cheering and laughing and whooping it up, and it was like this long double feature haul, and I loved that experience of it because you wouldn't get that at home. No. But I also appreciate the, like, oh, I, I want to actually focus and enjoy the movie. Well, I'll just fucking stay home for that, mm-hmm. you know? Not saying that I want to go to a theater where, again, people are just trying to turn tricks on you while you're trying to watch the movie. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to get robbed or something. Those are two discreet thoughts, by the way. I'm yes. not trying to play up the sex work as right. you're going to get robbed kind of thing. Cat. Um, our cats who... <sighs> Our cats who leave us alone normally a lot of the time during the day have decided that us podcasting is the most interesting fucking thing, but rather everything around us in the room is the most interesting fucking thing. So they're climbing through packing boxes and making noise. So for the rest of the episode, if you hear weird rustlings and stuff that I can't edit out because we're talking, that's cats. It's the cats. It's cats. So cat warning. Um, But yeah... I never got to experience that, but I will say that now that we've moved a lot closer, I'm looking forward to hitting up the local repertory theater here, Metro Mm -hmm. Cinema, that they show a lot of cult movies, and they show art films, they show first-run stuff, they show festival stuff, but they show a lot of cult movies peppered throughout, like they do Deadman, no, not Deadman, Deadfest every Mm -hmm. year um, in uh, collaboration with that uh, guy who runs the lobby... Mm-hmm. Kevin Martin, is it? Is that right? I, I'm sorry, I don't um, know. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, We're a lot closer to the lobby now, too. It's like one of the few video stores left in this whole country, and it's just like... And he's even said, he's like, I don't make a cent from this. I work, a, you know, my real job to keep this place open, and I'm mm-hmm. going to for as long as I can. Yeah, I'll just sidestep to briefly describe this place. It's yes. in a basement under a daycare. On White Avenue. On White Avenue, which is like the one nightlife strip in this whole godforsaken city yeah pretty much (laughs) um and it's uh there's a couch and a tv and then everything else is just lined with movies Mm -hmm. it's like a fucking film a horror cult film fanatics wet dream kind of place um i know that over the years i've gone pretty sparingly but when i have i've picked up gems that I've not been able to find anywhere else. Like, mm-hmm. that's where I got my copy of Primal Rage, which oh, wow. is kind of a hot commodity these days. Yeah. But, so, thank you to them. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess without further ado, let's get into the movies that we watched that sort of celebrate this. One of the sort of caveats we had for ourselves is we didn't want to just pick the kind of exploitation movies that would play there, because there's so many... We've covered a lot that would... There's that endless bill. amounts, yeah. Um, we wanted to pick stuff that were in New York and that had that sort of 42nd Street backdrop. setting or backdrop. Yeah, yeah, backdrop's a good word for it. Yeah, so with that, we watched, we started off with Abel Ferrara's, uh, I'm going to say debut in huge scare quotes, and I'll explain why in a second, but debut, 1979's The Driller Killer. Now, it's not actually his debut because he made, under a different name, Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy, the porno movie, (laughs) which Vinegar Syndrome is putting out, and I am stoked to see this movie. Excellent. We Um, love Italian Catholic boys from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, we've talked about him before. Uh, He did The Addiction, which was 
good fun. Miss 45. And Miss 45, one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, good. Uh, movie is... It's probably the rape revenge movie I can watch the most kind of thing. Because I find a lot of those movies are just so hard to watch. Because, you know, sexual violence and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the fucking revenge in this movie is so choice. And the backdrop and everything about it is so good that I just absolutely... I'm willing to to endure the nasty rape stuff in order to see this fantastic movie Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But we're talking about The Driller Killer, which came before. This one was banned in England as a video nasty. And it kind of can be said to be to blame for that whole scare (laughs) because that thing came out of the video covers being offensive right right? and this features the like the money shot of the movie where that dude (laughs) is getting the power drill stuck in his face and blood's guys ring out that still is the cover of the video that got them banned and got everyone in hot water but uh Driller Killer, do you want me to kick off the plot on yeah, this one? Yeah, honestly, I'm... I, it's been Is there weeks. a plot? <laughs> there, there is, there okay. is. I will get into it. I remember watching it, and I was, like, is, I was like, is this supposed to make any sense? And you're like, mm, debatable. Uh, I was like, okay, I feel better. <laughs> okay, I feel like there is a plot. Okay, um, refresh my stars mind. Stars Ilfara as the main character, Reno, who is this painter who is... Working on his masterpiece. Yeah, working on his masterpiece, but he seems down on his luck, right? And he's doing this weird buffalo painting that I don't hate it nearly as much as the scorn it gets, but it's (laughs) fucking trippy as shit. Um, He lives with these two women who take a lot of opportunities to les out, which, you know, made my queer heart go aflutter a little bit, even though it was very sparingly. Um, And he is living below this, like, New York punk band, now, when I first started getting into punk music, I latched onto the New York acts pretty early. And this sort of hits that intersection where it's like not quite no wave, but almost where it's just mm-hmm. like, where's the talent? <laughs> but I don't hate this, even though I can tell you it's garbage. <laughs> um, not just like on no wave and all that stuff. There were talented people there, but this is a very garbage act. Mm-hmm. What do they call like? Tony Coca-Cola and the Roosters or something Something like like that. that. And they play all fucking night long and it's kind of driving him on edge. And, you know, his painting's not going well. He's constantly broke. They're, like, high all the time. They're high all the time. He's complaining about the phone bills. There's that one chick in the, like, the roommate who, like... Her line reading, I was just like, good God. It was straight out of John Waters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she, she was so cooked. Yeah, like, she was holy completely. Shit. Yeah, like I don't think you really actually show the drug use, but you know that they're just on like all. Of the yeah, that's heroin. true. They they weren't doing drugs in the movie, but we know that they were all they're high. high like it's fuck. just it's just there in the backdrop. I think I even described this one as if John Waters made a video nasty at mm-hmm. one point. Um, yeah. But anyway, so all this shit is kind of piling up on Reno, and he decides for some reason that he's going to take out his frustrations on the homeless population Mm -hmm. why the homeless people have done nothing to him and not even in one of those perceived like damn homeless get a job kind of thing like they're there and that's all the reason he seems to need but he goes and buys this fucking like power battery pack for his power drill because you know everything's corded back in that day but the power pack is like a utility belt like batman style that he has to fucking strap on and plug this drill in He, he looks like the world's jankiest superhero when he's wearing this fucking thing. The handyman. Yeah, there you go. And he goes out and he just starts drilling homeless people to death. And, um... Doesn't he do this in episodes, like, 
where he does it's almost like he dissociates or like mm-hmm. derealization mm-hmm. and just like it's like a separate entity within him and he starts remembering what he's done and it, it's that i think that's the part that got me i'm just like what there the fuck? is a lot of like mental degradation being shown in the film where mm-hmm. as he's going like there's a lot of surrealist imagery and like visual hallucinations that come up and all that stuff and they start kind of collapsing onto each other mm-hmm. so it is like a low budget version of doing that sort of like um henry Porter the serial killer kind of thing where it's just like showing this dude's madness overwhelming him but mm-hmm. it's oh there are some very fucking great moments in this movie um one that stands out to me is when he shows the art collector the painting <laughs> and the dude just like bags it. He just totally Such bags on it. He's just ass. like, no, 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 this is nothing. This is shit. What? This is like, none of your art. He just lives in that. And I was just thinking, it's like, it's harsh. It's not that bad, is it? It's really I not don't know that art, bad. but holy shit. Yeah, I mean, art is all, is all just like a front for like money laundering anyway. I say art art in the big scare quotes, like it's art. You the know, art get, scene. The art world, the art, co- like it's just, it's a stand in for the trade of and movement of capital. Yeah. That's it's, why it doesn't make any sense because it's just like they attribute value to it and then they can just move money around. Yeah. It's funny because like art, as in like art. Uh, I feel a very broad, pro-open definition of, where it's just like, cool, art is amazing, I'm so glad it exists, people chasing art and doing art is so fucking cool. Earth without art is just, eh. Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Uh, But That was one of the, I think on a poster in my art teacher's studio in high school. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, I felt that. Felt that deep. <laughs> but uh, art in scare quotes is in, like, the art scene. It's in, like, it's... the art, as in the art dealers. I just, I just like... fucking think of Danny DeVito and It's Always Sunny. Bullshit. It's a bullshit derivative. Bullshit. Now this is a masterpiece. <laughs> now this is what I call art. Like, that's... Sorry, that's the air conditioner. Like, that is I 100% the art world in <laughs> this sense of the yes. word, you know? I also think of... Um, What's that movie? Uh, Pecker. John Waters Pecker <laughs> when a, a small town Baltimore photographer hits up against the New York art scene. And mm. it's just like so much of John Waters' like little stab <laughs> at that is just uh, it's so good. It's excellent. But, uh, oh God, this movie has its moments. The other ones that struck out to me was the fucking band. Like, there's that one scene where they're in the green room at uh, Max's Kansas City where they shot, which was a huge venue. Like, you know, like, we're talking, like, Blondie, the Ramones, and all that kind of stuff played there. That's where they filmed this. Um, But they're in the green room, and the band, each person is, like, disassociating on their own fucking trip. And the camera's just filming the room in big circles. Like, the Tony Coca-Cola guys just sit in the corner. He's just like, I want to see your pussy. I want to see your pussy. And he's just saying that over and over again. As everyone else is arguing and doing their own shit. And then it just cuts, like, close-ups of him. He's just fucking in a K-hole. And he's like, I want to see pussy. (laughs) Like, that scene was just... Wild. Scene was was a big Forty Second Street energy. Yeah. Well, let's go into uh, let's go into the Forty Second Streetness of this movie because uh, that Kansas, uh, Max Kansas City, and like the band stuff and all that that was big Forty Second Street energy. Like um, just this grotty dive. Everyone's fucking strung out, and they're just doing this music scene together, and it's like 
the opposite of any commercial sense. Like, there's a star is born, and then there's a driller killer. It's like, those are the two ends of the music movie spectrum, you know? (laughs) That's, like, all I can think. I love it. As someone who's not seen a Star Is Born, I know you haven't either. No. I, just I saw. But it makes perfect sense. I've probably sense. seen most of it at this point, looking over someone's shoulder on an airplane while mm. I was like getting frustrated with my goddamn Sudoku puzzles and stuff. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, I read through the book I brought for the plane in like two hours, and then I had seven <laughs> more hours to kill. Worst. Um, yeah. So there's that, and then there's all these little vignettes of like Reno watching the street. Mm-hmm. And we get these little shots that are just, like, montages of the stuff going on the street. Like, there's that one where he's watching from the rooftop where these two dudes are talking on the street like it's a possibly a drug deal going now. But mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on because we see it from Reno's vantage. Right. And then he stabs the guy and runs off. And the way it's filmed, the way it's shot, it almost looks like the film crew just caught a stabbing and filmed oh, it geez. and threw it yeah. in the movie. Like, that's just the way it's played out. That's true. As you see people, like, surround it, like, oh my god, this is horrible. How could this happen? But at the same time, it just fits in with the visual backdrop of the street. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a blasé attitude towards it. It's just, another, it's just another night on 42nd Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's all these montages of the homeless people and people that, you know, like, as, as they call existing. them, yeah, the, the criminals, the freaks, the weirdos, like, that mm-hmm. do that. And we just get these, like, weird keyboard things, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do as these uh, things are happening, like that one guy who's passed out, and there's this like little light-hearted keyboard thing playing, and then he just throws up all over his fucking self, like this <laughs> nasty red wine barf right. kind of thing. Yeah, um, he just threw up all over his own dick, oh my god. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was upset that I had to watch that. <laughs> yeah. I will say. Uh, and the way these are done, like, it's so hard to tell if they were staged or if they just went out with the camera and caught it. Yeah. Because, uh, I copied some quotes. I got this article about New York exploitation movies from flavor wire. I was just, cause I just wanted to see if I could get some more info on some of the movies we watched. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple quotes I wanted to read that came from Ken Kelsch, who was the director of photography for this movie. And this will just give you an idea of how the movie was made. Like the, the, circumstances um he says i do remember we didn't have very much money but we did have a bottle of jack daniels on the dolly at all times Mm. and that was conveniently located for me there's also a tiny smidgen of drugs which was probably how i made it through the last three days i shot 50 hours straight and i don't remember anything holy shit um talking about sets uh they said turning the lights on in max's kansas city was frightening Things went scurrying to all corners, but we promised the extras an open bar, which didn't exist. So we had to shoot really quickly because once they realized there wasn't an open bar, they were gone. (laughs) So, like, you know, they did this on the fly and they kind of did it in the real, like, is this cinema verite? Does it count as that? Like, that's all I can can really wonder about. Um, Some finesse is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And this movie... The attitude towards its reception was equally as glowing. Another quote by this uh, Ken Kelsch guy was, uh, one review was, and we were so proud to get reviewed in Variety, it was, Abel Ferrara makes Toby Hooper look like Federico Fellini, and the lighting was so dark it gave me a headache. <laughs> and it's just like, that tracks so that people would oh, take that as a wow. like a badge of honor. Like, the movie opens with that 
um, credit that just says this movie should be played loud. Right. Like in huge print. It's like it's almost like a punk rock mm-hmm. movie with with punk rock and the ancillary. It's not actually about that. It's just yeah. kind of there in the wings. It's no green room, but it's yeah. uh, it's there. Yeah. Um I've seen this movie a number of times. Like I said, I have a soft spot for it, partly because I dig a lot of Abel Ferrara's work. I haven't mm. seen tons of it, but what I've seen I really like. And also because, as I've said, it's like if John Waters did a video nasty because the dialogue is just <laughs> something else and the weird scenes that happen. The cast characters. Yeah, like what the fuck is that pizza eating scene? Oh, They're yeah, just eating the gross pizza, pizza together. It was so gross. Like the dude has this fucking... Okay, New York supposedly has the best pizza ever kind of thing and i'm not going to say that it's not good i've never had it in my life right but why is it that in these movies it always looks so nasty it's the grossest grease it's just a shit. pile of grease yeah. like he has this fucking thing it looks like there's no cheese it looks like tomato sauce on the thinnest slice of bread piled with green peppers like a mountain of green peppers and just swimming in grease and i'm thinking where does the grease come from i fucking no love pizza and like i go to places that say like new york style slice and i think that pizza's the shit but what the fuck is this and why do movies make it look like someone got a freezer pizza, steamrolled it, and jizzed on it, and then cooked it. Like, that's what this shit looks like, and it's and disgusting. And then, like, just topped it up with some finishing oil mm-hmm. before serving. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. So, maybe this means that someday, someday we'll have to visit New York and go get some real pizza. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be the only reason to go, but, you know, I love pizza, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I quite dig this movie. What about you? Yeah, I mean, other than the, the sort of confusion of following it um like in general i liked it for sure yeah like the uh learning everything sort of that went on behind where it's like oh yeah i filmed it for 50 hours straight and don't remember a single moment of it it's like yeah that that tracks yeah Mm -hmm. and i don't mean that in a bad way (laughs) yeah i mean that in a way that's like good for you guys yeah it's uh it's an experience that's Mm -hmm. for sure um this was probably one of the video first video nasties I saw when I actually started seeking out video mm-hmm. nasties because it was one of the few that was available when I started seeking it out. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's also why I have a soft spot for it because it was kind of early in my formative movie watching years. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's Driller Killer. Up next, we have a movie that we watched like two weeks later because we had to take a break to paint and move and all that shit. And we watched 1973's Fleshpot on 42nd Street. This is our first Andy Milligan movie on the list. Who, for a lot of people, that doesn't mean anything. But I am, for some reason, a fan of this dude's work. Even though they're all so amateurish and, like, weirdly put together. And they don't feel like... They feel like if you gave an alien a camera and said make a grindhouse movie (laughs) that's like what his movies play as because they're just off in this kind of way that you can't quite describe but they're emulating human existence (laughs) um but yeah so this is the first one uh i say first because he's definitely gonna crop up again at the Mm -hmm. very least because he did do a video nasty okay um but yeah do you want to maybe go into what this one's about yeah, we um, start out with this unhappy couple, Dusty uh, and her dude that she her dude. her dude that she shacked up with, and he's telling her, you know, you need to get a job, blah 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 blah, and uh, eventually she fucking just like steals all his shit, 
robs him blind while he's at work and goes to live back at, at the life that she left as a hustler. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> That's kind of this movie, isn't it? Like, yeah. most of it is shenanigans ensuing yes. until she meets that dude, Bob, kind of thing. Yeah. And then there's a bit of a plot again. Like, there's mm. a plot, don't get me wrong, but yeah. the plot seems to be just, like, shenanigans ensuing. Mm-hmm. She grifts people. Oh, yeah, she's a, like, queen shit grifter. She's queen shit for, like, 90% of the grift, and then yeah. she just, like, eh, at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, um, when she robs the pawn shop guy, she, like, sets up this whole fucking grift where, like, she uh, bones down with him uh, for some scratch, and then it's just like, hey, I haven't eaten while. Want to get me lunch? And, like, she's palmed his keys to the pawn shop, and it's just like, yeah, just go pick up some lunch. I'm going to go make a phone call. See you in 10 minutes. And he goes to get lunch, and then she just sneaks her way back into the pawn shop, Steals robs him, cash. and it's just like, oh, this was so sly, because she has an alibi that she's not there, yeah. and the cash is hidden, like, and he's not he, even going to notice like, at first. If he, presumably, if he were to, like, accuse her, then she'd have to be like, well, he solicited prostitution, yeah, yeah. and his like, wife would find out. So and, much shit at play. Yeah. And then as she's leaving, she just fucking leaves the the keys sitting in the lock and leaves the door open, and it's just like, bye. Yeah, and it's that's like, so funny. It's like, you set up this perfect Rift, and then and at then the zero like, hour, you're just it. like, eh, I'm done. Yeah, it's someone else's problem. Yeah, it's like, so it's like, oh, he will clearly piece together what happened because mm-hmm. of that. Because you made no effort to make it look like nothing had, you yeah. know, like, if you just left it there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, uh, that, I laughed my ass off at that. It was just yeah, like, was really dusty. Funny. Oh, dusty. Um... Who else? Okay, her face, the actress. There was something about her that reminded me of Lana Del Rey, and then with this, you like, mentioned that with yeah. this like grift that like like white trash Lana Del Rey, I think I called yeah. her. And so yeah, with this grift she's pulling and stuff. It's just like okay, I, I think I figured out where where she got her uh, her inspiration from for this Lana Del Rey character. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> she is dusty, or she wishes. <laughs> it's there. I was trying to think of a parody on Lana Del Rey to belt out, but I realized I don't know her music well enough, nor am I that creative. I haven't listened in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Ultraviolence was the last I listened to, I think. Right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyway, um, so we have a drag queen named... Ruby. I'm going to throw a huge asterisk there because that is something I want to tr- unpack yes, for sure. Yes. But yeah, keep, not, not Ruby, That's it's Cherry. Cherry. Okay, it was something red. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cherry, um, who Dusty like moves in with, they turn yeah. tricks together, all this stuff. Um, there's the, the, the sister, the Simmons sisters. Oh my god, they were a trip. Yeah. There's a... Yeah, one of the funny things was... We noticed in the credits that all the women have first and last names, or all, or all the men only have first names. Yeah, it, it kind of gives that anonymous kind of thing, because all the men are Johns, That's essentially, true, with yeah. the exception of that, that, that uh, queer hustler and Bob. There's yeah. Bob, but and he starts as a John. Mm-hmm. And then there's the queer hustler that they hang out with at the bar. Right. Um, but otherwise, everyone's a John, so it kind of adds to that little edge yeah. of anonymity. That's true. Sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, they, they're all like... Kurt, Doug, Bob, Jeff, Joe. And then, um, you know, it's just like Dusty St. LaRogue, LaCroix, Rhodes, or whatever. I don't know what her name was. I don't but. remember either. And then uh, Cherry, she had a first, she had a, 
She had a nice name. It had a new ring to it. I don't remember yeah. what it was either. Cherry, um, dis- disclosure, if you are seeking out this movie, Cherry really likes to say the N-word. <sighs> okay, I would like to start a segment here for whenever we talk about an, an Andy Milligan movie called Andy Milligan, what the fuck were you thinking? Because that's going to come up every time we talk about a movie, but this was king shit of that. Like, this was like, what do you think, who do you think you are, Tarantino? Oh, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. They have a very regrettable slogan that features the N-word. I'm not even bother repeating no. it or looping it. But it was just like, um, really? But it comes up multiple times. You. Like, it's a fucking slogan. Pra- yeah, it's, it's like, it's a, like the catchphrase. And it's like, yeah. no. And, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 different times, all that kind of shit, different culture, whatever. But it's but so it's, unnecessary. It's it, so it is. Like, like, none of that feels like it's defensible of, of having this in the movie. No. Not even a little bit. It was... Uh, it threw me for a loop. The first time it happened, I was just like, holy shit, you had to back it up because I missed it. Yeah. And then the I second time... I was like, you should just said the N-word! And you were like, what? And then the second time, it was just like, almost like, oh my god. That's, aud- that's where their recall to me. And then by the third time, it's just like, okay. You fuck. I can stop Yeah, this. it's like, I want to root for you grifters, but you were, you're doing this. Yeah. No. Not yeah. cool. Because this is a very whitewashed movie, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Which, um... Given that it is largely about sex workers and people that are considered criminalized and all that stuff in um, uh, New York in the early 70s, it's interesting how whitewashed it is because mm-hmm. people who are racialized in this country are so criminalized. Well, like if you just think of like Paris is burning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, stuff. Like, and like queer culture too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like spearheaded by, especially by like black and Latinx queer people mm-hmm. well so, like shit stonewall so right? yeah exactly so and, um, it's like huh that's actually a good point that brings me to i wanted to discuss this cherry, cherry character yeah. um problematic and not just problematic fucking horrendous slogan aside you can't yes. just call it problematic it's way worse than that um i have a hard time with this character because they they've they're referred to as a drag queen and being in drag a lot of the time. But there's a lot of conflation with trans culture mm-hmm. going on. And it's one of those things where, you know, like, I, I fully believe someone can live in drag and be a drag performer. And, like, drag is, like, a big part of their life without well, tra- being trans. Yeah. But I'm wondering how much of this is because it predates the terminology. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't want to lump modern thought and like discourse yeah. on someone without like i mean we're talking a fictional character here yeah well i mean but, we can use the q word and it's like they're prob- probably shouldn't because they were probably like regularly beaten yeah this was before using that word and didn't have a chance to like live long enough to reclaim it. that's a so, very good point this yeah. would have been well before reclamation yeah of, like that's uh, like 90s yeah no that's a very very good point that so, yeah i um, know as soon as i said that i was like oh mm, Let's not use that word. Yeah, I don't know if they utter it in the movie or not. I don't remember. I mean, more generally, like, the people, like, um... Oh, I meant, the like... The real-life people that... Or, yeah, they did, they did, actually. When they were talking about, um, wanting to... The the one... The, the client who was into the S&M shit... Yeah. ...was saying how he wants wanted to... He and his buddies who play cards wanted to hire a girl. We were gonna hire a queer, Oh, yeah, they definitely do it in the derogatory yeah. sense. I meant, like, I don't know if it's ever used in any kind of reclamation. Oh, God, no. I, I don't think it was. No. Um, I mean, it, in that, at that point, it wasn't used necessarily in a, like... 
I don't want to say despair. Like, it wasn't used in a, in, I guess, a violent way. It was like, you know, it wasn't being hurled at somebody while they were getting the shit kicked out of them. Well, not in the but, movie. Yes. But, but no, that's, like, what I mean. that's what I mean in the movie. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, the, like, the word came up and it definitely wasn't in a, like, affirming Definitely way. not. No, no, yeah. no. But, um, regardless, there's so much of Cherry's character that fits in with a lot of, like, trans narrative. And mm-hmm. the reason it, it gave me, like, a pause was because uh, I've even seen that in popular discourse in my lifetime when we look back at um is it sylvia riviera mm-hmm. of uh, stonewall yeah marcia p johnson yeah marcia p johnson like um i've heard them referred to as drag queens and trans yeah. people in my life like that switch yes. happened well i think it's a bit of both because that, that's one of the things that is so like ridiculous when you see cis gay men trying to gatekeep drag and say that yeah. oh you can't be a drag queen because you're a trans woman it's like trans women literally started drag yeah like it was invented by trans women who didn't who weren't able at that point to be able to transition basically yeah. and this is this is what they did and this is just how like they celebrated themselves yeah. and they like took part in like drag cult like they invented drag culture yeah it's as it's, a means of expression it's funny you mention that because when i was in berlin at that film festival uh that film festival final girls <laughs> berlin film festival giant plug there they are fantastic um Aaron and I spent a lot of time hanging out with uh this drag queen named Jupiter who mm-hmm. was like one of the coolest people I've met uh sort of became our our buddies at the festival like we'd always go and see screens together and hang out and talk oh, before nice. and after the movies it was good fun at one point they asked uh RuPaul's Drag Race came up mm-hmm. and asked if we were fans and uh, I think the consensus between people were either no or yes but right kind of thing <laughs> and and uh jupiter described it as a total guilty pleasure because mm-hmm. you know likes watching it likes uh drag and all that kind of stuff but the thing that got me was uh jupiter then said how the drag scene is so and this is a modern version of this so queer in berlin where it's like there are tons of trans people in drag, and right. it's not a sticking point. It's not an issue. Yeah, it's not like, you can't do this because... You have to be a cis man to be yeah. able to perform a woman, because we're going to reinforce the gender binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... So that... Which is so awesome to hear that that's not the conversation yeah. being had everywhere. Yeah, so it, it exists in this very sort of queered way, mm-hmm. um, in this very non-binarist, non heteronormative kind of version of drag it exists and it's performed like that um which bringing me back to Fleshbot on 42nd street and what you were saying about how this was how trans people could exist and celebrate themselves before transition was even possible um or at least possible here like obviously we know we had you know magnus hirschfeld and stuff in germany absolutely the books the nazis burned yeah yeah that were actually helping trans people transition and be more normalized and just like allowed to fucking live yeah here's a here's a queer culture fun fact for you um nazi book burnings a lot of that was the like hit the papers and all of just the the documents of the hirschfeld institute yeah so when uh, people refer to, like, the Nazi book burnings as this 
big evil thing, which it was. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to say or it was When they wasn't. use it as, like, a right-wing um, talking point to, like... It's, like, a lot of that was a direct attack on LGBT individuals. Exactly. Like, direct kind yeah. of thing. Like, erasing the history that has not even been able to be attempted to be recuperated. Yeah. So, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Fleshpot. Back Fleshpot. to Fleshpot. Oh, my- um... So... Did you notice that, like, this movie had some... At least the men had some... Like, I almost would call it, like, very liberal feminist, like, gestures. Like, all the... Okay, so... Could you elaborate? Because I'm curious where you're going with this. So, like, in the first scene, you have the the dude that that Dusty shacked up with, and he's like... Mm -hmm. Because, you know, she just wants... You get the impression she just wants to be, like, well a well-kept woman who doesn't have to, like, work... Yeah. kind of thing which is like okay that's cool but he's like no man i want you to be like a full person and, and like mm-hmm. he's using this very like like women's lib kind of talking it's like very and... second wave rhetoric kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then that and he and like most of the tricks are like really want like really into eating pussy mm-hmm. which... oh there's so much pussy eating like i mean right? it's for, it's in that porno sense where it's like for three seconds totally and then but it's like... it, the fact that it's that, that that's like the first thing they do, they're like, oh, yeah, that's going to dive right in. That's like that, like her, her dude at the start is just like, okay, we got to make it a quickie, though. And the first and thing he, he does is he munches, munches right. And she, yeah. and she just looks so bored. She's like, oh, do we, like, oh, really? Do we have to do this? And it's like, I okay. said a quickie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so these things that, like, I'm thinking of this sort of, like, sex-positive feminism of the, like, early 2010s would yeah. be, like, falling over for applauding. Yeah. In this, like, sexploitation, really crude movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, just this sort of, like, disconnect there that I was like, oh, wow. Interesting. It's, it's almost like it's so regressive that it's flipped around progressive, because it's just there for, like, it's porn. Yeah. It's like doing softcore porn until it's doing until, hardcore yeah, porn. Until, like, at the hour mark. Yeah, what the fuck? Porn. This is the first hardcore movie I've ever seen where it takes, like, an hour for someone's dick to pop out and, like, penetration. Right. And, oh, who is that? It's Harry Reams. It's Harry a- Reams of Deep Throat fame. Yeah, the um, doctor from Deep Throat. It's one of those things where, it's funny, I almost said, like, this dude looks like a bootleg Harry Reams. <laughs> I like, thought he looked familiar, but I didn't that. know why. And then it's like, no, it's actually just him. Mm-hmm. Um... Fuck. But yeah, so after all of this, uh, oh, wait, 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 I was going to say something about the Cherry's character, but yeah. we got like, we've been all over Side-tracked, the place. Yeah. Um, is the reason I have hesitation about how to understand this character is that this, uh, at the time, I believe this came out of 73. I did some research. I believe in 71 in New York, there was a case that went to court where someone wanted to change their birth certificate mm. and they were shot down and said like, you can't do that. The only changes you can have is if it was erroneous to begin with. And they don't mean that in like a, you know, a sign female at birth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They mean that in a oops, they fucked up typo style kind of uh, thing. Okay. Um, that's the only time they would change it at the time. Right. So trans rights were not a thing. You could not do any of the legal stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like, it was such an up-in-the-air kind of, like, barely legal, very criminalized yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I can say very criminalized. I didn't see that in the research. But, I mean, as of today, trans women can get arrested for walking with a condom in their purse. Because, because they're assumed to be they soliciting, are assumed sex, to be soliciting yeah. sex for being for being trans and having a condom. Yeah. Anyway. Well, not to mention, um, this would have been around the same time, like, where if you read, like, the Les Feinberg 
mm-hmm. books and stuff, finding out about how, you know, butch lesbians specifically were routinely correctively raped by cops. Yeah. So there's this brutal violence against, you know, people of all genders and presentations that if they presented in a way that went against what we thought they should look like based on the, what, you know, what's between their legs. Yeah, and anyone who is non-conforming. Yeah. yeah, so, and, like, there were literally laws up saying that, um, you know, to go out, women had to wear, have a certain number of female garments, like, art- garments, artifacts, yeah, whatever on them. Yeah, fuck, we read that essay from that book, Boots of Leather, Slippers That's right, of and so you have, you have these femmes who are, like, shoving their purses into the butch's hands, and the butch's are, like, carrying it like football, because they don't know what yeah, the fuck to do Yeah, they're like, I don't it. know what to do with this purse. But they're like, this is a female article of clothing, so if you wear it, you can't be arrested. Yeah. And, like, it... And the bathhouse raid. So it's like, yeah, being being LGBT is so criminalized Um, and so, like, violence. Not just criminalized, but also so much violence against them by the institutions. But then um, this movie also predates one of the huge cultural touchstones. I say that while throwing up in my mouth completely. But as far as, like, here's the transsexual menace, and I say Uh. transsexual deliberately there is um, the book by Janice Raymond, The Transsexual Empire, that piece of shit garbage, which should be, you know, the book should be taken to the hug. I'll just put it that way. Um, The Hag? Yeah, that, the Hag. Whoops, I said it weird. It's all good. It's how it's spelled. I uh, was doing a a presentation on Sandy Stone's um, The Empire Strikes Back, which was Mm. a response to this in my... uh, English degree, so right. I went ahead and read. I got a library and I read the entirety of the Transsexual Empire, which is self-contradictory garbage through and through. So it is wild that this was someone's distur- dissertation doctorate turned into a book because it's like a fucking fourth grader could say you could, Jesus Christ, could tell you that this book is trying to say two plus two is five, like right. the whole fucking time. Uh, I mean, the supervisor was Mary Daly, so big uh, fucking shocker. Right. Um, but this movie predates that, and that mm. was a big, when I very flippantly say cultural touchstone, I mean, like, it did bring a lot of the notion of being trans and transitioning to the forefront mm-hmm. in a very bleak way. I mean, that's why turf rhetoric is so hot and why yeah. newspapers in the UK are constantly, like, falling over themselves to be transphobic. But it's uh, this movie predates all of that fucking hot garbage so it's hard to say like was this character not described as trans because the language wasn't there for it or because we didn't know or or what like is is drag 100% their game because the way the character plays it out and lives their life there are so many, like, um, cliche trans story points mm-hmm. in there. Well, and she even makes reference, like, the Dusty, something about, like, the tricks are going to have them bumping pussies or something. Like, like she, yeah. All, or, like, yeah, um, frequently, well, like, is always in drag, or at least yeah. on screen, and um, refers to herself with female pronouns and everything. So. Oh, my God, that was something else about this movie, is, like, none of the main characters misgender. Yeah, yeah, no, they're just like, like oh, this is, our, this is our girl, like... She's our friend. She's one like, of us. Like, even the people that fucking hate her and rag on her, yeah. they never resort to transphobia. No, so that, that was surprising. And then even, um, also in some of the some of the tricks, you see, like, the Johns, where it's like, I'm not gonna, you know, label their sexuality or whatever, but they will sometimes knowingly, like, seek out 
a more gender amb- you know, a non a non cis woman yeah. sex worker, and they're like, yeah, like. I mean, you know, they might be like, oh, we, uh, you know, saw one of the queers or whatever. So it's not really in like a positive way, but it's no. still like, it's it's not that, that, oh, I had sex with a trans woman because I was attracted to her and then I felt like it threatened my masculinity. So I brutally murdered her. There is one scene that sort of plays into that yes. where she hooks up with a John who doesn't realize. Yeah. And, um... He then, flips, but... Yeah, but then, uh, but then, yeah, she runs away, and Dusty's like, I'm gonna go fucking kick his ass. Like, yeah. how dare he do that? Yeah. So, it's like, this movie is almost so... It's like the horseshoe theory, where it's regressive <laughs> and progressive on one side, and it's just looped around. It just goes in a big circle, touching. and it's just, just like Ouroboros that's, like, eating its own tail, where it's like... Yeah. The mouth is progress, and it's eating the regress. And the regressive it's, ass. <laughs> it's becoming progressive by... Consuming its own by, ass. Yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. Um, but f- as far as 42nd Street goes in this movie, like, they're mentioning all these landmarks and, and areas, like, they're like, we're gonna walk the stroll from this street to that street, I can't remember the names, I've never actually been to this part of town, so I don't know the geographics the city, of it, so. <laughs> but, yeah, um, but it definitely plays hard on that backdrop, mm-hmm. like, there's so many scenes of Dusty strolling the street, and it's, yeah, you know, you see, one. you see the, uh, rub and tugs, the strip shows and the theaters and it's just like boop, 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 well, one after the, the last, other. Um, the last interaction she has with the dude she shacked up with at the very beginning, she's asking, he's trying to bum some change off of him so she can go catch one of the double features, which we mm-hmm. would assume is in one of those grindhouse theaters. Yeah. I love that. At one point they're just like, let's go see Torture Dungeon and Bloodthirsty Butchers. Those are both Andy Milligan movies. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um... So, Bob. So, Bob. So, fucking Bob. So, she's going through this, like, cruise in the streets and, like, um, you know, that very sort of, like, like, it's not a progressive look at sex work, but I feel like it's not really a condemnation until the plot is, like, I can get a better life. Mm. And then, like, I felt conflicted because at one point, like, they're, they have to put up with a lot of shit so Mm. I could see they're wanting to quote unquote get out. Yeah. But at the same time, it it does it does play it up like sex work is is and can only be for those who have like fallen by the wayside. Yeah, there's um because I've seen even um some like you know sex workers I follow online who are like you know kind of in in passing posting sort of the flippant like I guess subtweeting being like hey ex sex workers leave the industry without being like super horophobic challenge like yeah did you know like the, like yeah did you know that you can like exit the industry without performing this like disparaging of the pe- those who are still in it yeah shocker yeah <laughs> um but she meets this lawyer bob played by harry reams and um they're just like he lives on fucking staten island and they <laughs> rag on him mercilessly for it which i found kind of hilarious yes um but hey staten island he gets to have a backyard. And she, like, falls head over heels for him. Mm-hmm. And likewise, like, that was one thing I found very refreshing is that she, like, admits she's a hustler and all that stuff. And he never seems to hold it against He's her. He's like, oh, okay. He's just like, I mean, cool. she picked him up in a bar and it seemed yeah. like, yeah, but so, yeah, no, he, uh, he still is like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You're babe. Like, whether he approves or not, or would want to get her out of the life or not, mm-hmm. is kind of almost not an issue. Like, yeah. it's a non starter It's just like, this is who you are. This is what you do. I'm not going to shit on you for it. Yeah. 
You make me happy. Let's just, yeah, I like you for you. Let's go with that. Mm -hmm. And that was weirdly refreshing, Mm -hmm. too. So I liked that. But uh, so she seems to get the good life with Bob. And then, what the fuck? The movie does a fucking 180 right up my ass. It's like, what the shit happens? Okay, here be spoilers from this part out. Like, skip ahead five minutes or so if you don't want to hear this shit. But, holy shit, they're just like, oh, I'm Bob the lawyer. You better walk me to the ferry. It's Staten Island Ferry. I'm going back to New York to be a lawyer boy. And she's like, cool, I'll walk with you. And I'm like, cool. And there's this, like, happy music because they're all cutesy and running down the street and, like, going to the side. It's like, oh, boo, 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 we're happy, we're in love. And then you hear this, like, fucking foley, like, car screech. And, you see and this then car this car kind of rolls up next to him slowly and comes to a stop. Like several and then feet away it from fucking them. smash cuts to Bob dead on the ground because he got his ass run over. <laughs> and then people in the car get out and they're just like, oh my god, did you know him? Dusty's just like, no. Yeah, he's like, I didn't mean to hit him. Yeah, oops, I didn't mean to kill this dude. Oh, well, did anyone know him? And Dusty's just no, like, no, and she runs away. And then it cuts to her back in the life and now strung out as fuck. And like, yeah, it just ends. It fucking ends. And it's like, holy shit, what a bleak fucking ending. Like, not because she returned yeah. to sex work kind of thing, but just because it's like, she found a place where she was good, regardless of what that looked like. Yeah. And then let's snatch that away from you and now show you, like, like in dire straits kind of thing. Like, traumatized yeah. and just, like, get this. You, you can't have nice things. Yeah, like, what the fuck? I was... I. Like, I remember when we were watching with Bob, I kept saying, like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. Because Bob's just like, I live in my Staten Island house. It was my mom's house, but she died. And, like, I have expected the mom's corpse to be propped (laughs) up in a chair in the back room And he's just, like, letting Dusty have a key. And he's like, you can come and go as you please. We don't have to be exclusive. You know, whatever. I'm just really happy to see you. And it's like, where's the other shoe? Where's the other shoe? And then finally, at this point, I was just like, I guess there's no other shoe. We got a happy ending. (laughs) It's just like, no. No, the other shoe gets (laughs) thrown and severs Bob's spinal cord. Yeah, it was, uh, completely unexpected. Mm. Um, yeah. That is Fleshpot on 42nd Street, (laughs) lovingly restored by Vinegar Syndrome. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you for enriching my life in this way. I actually really like this one. I liked it too. It was... (laughs) So I I mean it when I say thank you. As we said as well, this one was very John Waters. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it was like transplant John Waters from Baltimore to 42nd Street, and that's this fucking movie. Yeah. I also had a really weird moment of recognition there. Dusty and Harry Reams. I was like, okay, Harry Reams, I knew why he was familiar. Why is Dusty But Dusty, I was like, why is she familiar? They co-starred in the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Is it the Venice one? No. The one that's worse than the Venice one. The movie I will not watch again because it was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, no, I'm not going to say the name because I want to bring this up on a future episode of Gutterflix. I'm going to do okay. a whole episode dedicated to this garbage fucking, like, if someone set out to make the most offensive trash movie ever, you fucking succeeded. Kudos <laughs> to you. Let me pat your back for, like, destroying my soul kind of thing. All right, then. All right, I won't even suspense. It's this movie called Forced Entry. That's it. I almost called it. Um, re- I almost did the rear entry. <laughs> no, like, no, forced that's not entry. It. Yeah, we got this fucking movie where the plot is that this guy is a Vietnam vet who he's come back and his soul is destroyed by all the atrocities of Vietnam, and he works in this shitty gas station. And when women come through, he copies their address off their driver's licenses and their credit card info, and then he stalks them to their house and then he rapes and kills them. Mm-hmm. Get this though, it's a porno. 
it is a porno movie about some serial killer who is a rapist murderer. And doesn't it, like, weirdly, you said it, like, follows the plot of Deep Throat? It, like, I was working on an academic paper that was mirroring this to Deep Throat, because Harry Reams is the murderer in this, and he's the doctor in Deep Throat. And uh, I couldn't fucking bring myself to watch this again. I watched okay. about ten minutes, and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it is a porno where all the sex scenes are rape scenes. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, all the dirty talking are violent threats. Like, instead of like, oh yeah, baby, take that hard dick. It's like, I'm going to cut your eyes out kind of thing. But it's still during fucking, like, rape scenes. And then every time he nuts, like, during the money shot scenes, it starts flashing genuine Vietnam footage. So seeing some dude bricking on, like, a dead woman he just murdered intercut with shots of actual napalmed babies. Right. It's just like, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's celluloid and um, fuck you very and much. And they're both in this movie, so woo! Okay. <laughs> so that was a familiarity that I did Didn't not want, want to experience. Yeah. Anyway, in the future on Patreon, look for my uh, full-length episode talking about this atrocity about of cinema. About minutes you could stomach. Yeah. Woo! Um... That aside, I very much enjoyed Fleshpot on 42nd Street. Love it. Yeah, good fun, good fun. Up next was a very different movie. Um, we watched a Lucio Fulci movie, 1982's The New York Ripper. We decided, hey, let's check out the Italian idea of a 42nd Street movie. <laughs> and boy, oh boy. Yeah, you said this was the one that uh, really cemented the Fulci's misogynist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the movie, above all else, that he gets the accusations of being a total misogynist for, and it's not hard to understand why. hmm Yeah. Uh, what we have here is the movie opens with this dude playing fetch with his dog, just, like, on the uh, banks of, what, the East River? Would that be it? Uh, I, don't probably, I don't know. Some New York River. Um, and he throws the branch a couple times, and he throws it a bit further, and it goes into the weeds, and he calls for his dog. His dog eventually comes back, fetching something, but she's carrying a severed hand that's, like, you see, like, the nail polish on it, so it's meant to be, like, a woman's hand kind of mm. thing. And he freaks out, and then, boom, freeze frame with the title <laughs> card coming up in, like, Times New Roman lowercase. It just is the <laughs> New York Ripper, and it's just, like, that was an interesting font choice. Yeah. Um, but, hey, okay, that works. Um... What we have is this killer is going around murdering women. Uh, Oftentimes they are related to sex work or in the grand Italian giallo sense, they are just very scantily clad Mm -hmm. and flirty. So, you know, that counts. There's some weird shit in there. There's some weird shit in there. (laughs) Um, And he's going through and killing them in extremely misogynistic ways like... um, one get doesn't one get like her genital area stabbed with like a broken yeah bottle? broken bottle right yeah. in the vagina and it's like right really in the, like clit vagina area and then what is it like that one woman she gets gutted but then the coroner's just like oh she got slit from her happy trail to her throat yeah. kind of thing it's just like wow okay yeah but you know we've got these really violent murders going on mm-hmm. um, did I mention the killer speaks like Daffy Duck no Donald Duck Donald Duck speaks yeah. like Donald Duck so it's like <laughs> And constantly, and it is, and like makes makes 
phone calls. Yeah, to talk as people, Donald Duck to as talk Donald people, Duck. and it's like that's kind of the hook of the killer. Everyone's like, he talked like a duck, quack quack quack. He didn't say quack quack quack, but he, he said things like a, like a duck. And then the detective's just like, what the fuck are it's they like, talking about? And a then, duck man. And then when the duck man calls, him, it's like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> This movie's just wall-to-wall misogynistic violence. Mm-hmm. and But beyond that, there is a very classic Jalo template yes. going on. So it's weird to see, like, a very egregiously, like, 42nd Street grindhouse theater exploitation movie done in the Jalo style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of liked the fusion of that because it made for this really sleazy time. Yeah, it worked well. Um as for uh, the Italian setting it in New York, uh, Fulci said this about the movie. This is also taken from that Flavor Wire article. Okay. He said, It's the story of a mad killer committing terrible murders in New York, but to some extent, it's a fantastic film, if only because the police have to spot this madman among 20 million New Yorkers. <laughs> so it's the idea that's like, oh, it's fantastic because in Rome or in Italy or somewhere, the madman would stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but here it's like he just blends into the backdrop right. kind of thing. Stick out like um, a sore thumb. He said that placing the Ripper in New York would make him more of a fantastic figure kind of thing, where it's just like among all this sleaze and seediness, mm-hmm. you have this ultra sleaze dude just going through. And he, like, stalks women at sex shows and stuff like yeah. that. Like, there's the live sex show where um, the dude who, the Greek, as they point out yeah. very egregiously, is like, he's Greek. The <laughs> um, Greek, he's doing it. Who's procuring women for the Ripper. He's at this live sex show. Uh, and it's interesting because all the live sex acts we, we see are mixed race. And oh, I'm yeah. wondering if it's one of those things where it's, like, accidentally progressive or if it's just, like, it's seedy. In- How can we make it seedier? They're oh, not got- the same race. We have and it's these just like white women getting some BBC action. Yeah, and yeah. they do the other way too. This but is it's true. one of those things where it's just like it's hard to see see if it's like, oh, is this done? Because it's like, cool, progressive. You don't give a shit. Like it's no, it's not It's just fun. You're not pearl clunching over um mixed race stuff, or is it because this is the seedier version? Like right, yeah, this is the scandalous. Like I can't really What's say more scandalous either than way. live sex is live interracial sex. That, that's like it, it's hard to say which way they're coming at it. <laughs> so I'm not gonna Or that's fully, just who happened to be yeah. there and they just cast them. Like I'm not gonna know. fully condemn or raise them up for this. It's just it's just, 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 just make a note. Yeah. Um but then there's that like rich lady who's just like in her trench coat with her Carmen San Diego hat, but like a beige one instead of red, <laughs> and she's just finger blasting herself while tape recording the, the live of sex. People moaning, yeah. And then she brings it back to her weird rich husband who's like, he, like listens to the recordings and then shoes her away. Like I'm pretty sure like the most dangerous game was written about this dude. He has that look <laughs> about him. He just looks like he hunts humans for sport. Mm-hmm. Um, From the closet. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I, I got that vibe from him that he's like, well, I'm going to go hook up with the dude now, so you need to be you need to go away. My, yeah, that's my true. Tr- my, my, like, there was actually like, a fair bit of that. Like, the psychologist, mm-hmm. there's a scene where he's buying uh, gay porn. Right. And hides it in the newspaper. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, yeah, it's just, I guess that's what he's going for, is, like, everybody's a fucking sleazeball. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost so, it's, but it's not commented on more than that, so no, it's one of those things it's where just, it's just, like, is it strangely progressive, or is it extra aggressive? Like, it's hard <laughs> to fucking tell. It is what it is. But, yeah, the 42nd Streetness of this one definitely comes out yeah. a lot. We've got all these uh, scenes of... Just, like, 
the street being filmed. Yeah, like, I mean, there's the, li- the live sex shows. Yes. And, uh, which, you know, the whole peep shows along 42nd Street. Oh, God, yeah. At one point when the Ripper is chasing that woman, she runs into one of the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, deserted kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, no one's there to actually watch the movie. It's, it's just, just like... It's just playing, and, uh... The one that got me was when the weird rich lady goes to that, like, the bar or whatever, and then sits down, and those two creepy dudes, the one starts, like, like, jilling her off with his toes yeah, foot under the table, her, yeah. like... That was a weird, awkward scene. Yeah, that felt like, uh, was this inspiration for Tarantino? Must be. Just scene where he's just, like, his foot's halfway up or kind about, of thing. Yeah, we already know about the, like, don't torture duckling. Like, we, we know he's seen Fulci. Yeah. So, must be. That was his his, uh, his route. Yeah. Was this scene. I think he... I know that he's bandied about support for the Beyond and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think theatrical release it's like it was under rolling thunder pictures which is his releasing company from way back when i'm split on the new york ripper there's a lot i liked about it Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot that is kind of like yeah it um yeah like i think i I like i liked i think the aspects i liked about it were some of those like Jallo holdovers, yeah. like all the red herrings who done it the weird fucking killer who's a duck yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was also some stuff that's like, this just this is excessive. And not in, well, no, very much. I was going to say, not in a fun 40 seconds street way. I'm like, no, very much. In a, in yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, not not my 40 seconds street. Yeah. I've definitely warmed to this one the more I've seen it. It's probably my third viewing of this mm-hmm. movie. We watched the Blue Underground release that just came out. And holy shit, was this a good, like, I've never seen the movie look that good. So yeah, it was, I it was really well restored. I am loving living in this age of like 4K <laughs> restorations. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. But thank you, you're doing the Lord's work. Because uh, it's like you got Criterion doing the art house movies that you know the critics was a, would ostensibly say deserve this kind of treatment, and then everyone else doing it is doing these kind of movies, and that brings me so much joy in my heart. <laughs> but yeah, there you have the Italian version of a 42nd Street. Italian simulation. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Well, there you have it. That's uh, our little miracle on 42nd Street. <laughs> there are so many other movies we could have done. Um, we've, we've run out of time here, too. Yeah. So. I feel like we could uh, gas on and on, but rather than let our uh, discussions get less and less good... And just start, because at a certain point it'll just turn into a listicle. Who wants that? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe someone does want that, and that would be the impetus to start a blog at some point down the road. There but for, for now, I think that'll be good. But we do have some recommendations for you. So uh, what have you got for us this week? Um, one that we watched that we were potentially going to include in this episode if we didn't have enough to talk about. But as always, we do. It is um, 1973, mm-hmm. The Massage Parlor Murders. Oh, there's an exclamation point, so it's yes. the massage parlor murders! <laughs> and it is also, um, if you were watching our Instagram story, I put up a picture. It's a Cinemid Flim production. The uh, first title card that shows up. Yeah, and there it's a is Flim production. a typo in, well, I guess a uh, would be an even easier word to fuck up, but <laughs> one of the easiest words in there they fucked up. <laughs> and I love how you noticed it and you're like, hold on, did I see that right? And you back it up. And you like read it. I'm like, Cinnamon. Yeah, you, you assumed that Cinnamon was, was the weird I thought thing. It was, I was like, okay, I don't get the pun. And you're like, no, no, keep reading. And I was like, oh, fi- 
a flim production. <laughs> so I'm so, so glad you caught that. So groovy. Oh my but, god. Um, yeah, this goes back. This is more massage. You know, yeah, massage parlors. So it's murdering uh, of full body massage, happy ending type mm. establishment workers. But um, I would say that the most unrealistic part of this movie is the cops caring about the brutal murders of sex workers and actually really wanting to like bring the guy to justice. I will say as a, a point for realism is the only reason they seem to care is because they inhabit these sex workers frequently. This is true, but that wouldn't but I feel like in real life that would not stop them from Oh still no, not at all. Being like not fuck at those all. bitches. Yeah, they if anything, they, they might deserved. they might double down just to save their yeah, own bacon. Ex- yeah, thing. exactly, to save face. And so in this case, it was like... Do you like that? Save their own bacon. bacon. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, so that, um, that's a good point, yeah. But they actually, yeah, had that, like, sort of... I don't want to say solidarity, but that, like... By going to these establishments does not sir, help them further dehumanize these women, but if anything, instead humanizes them and makes them... Mm-hmm regret the fact that they're being brutally murdered and want that to stop so yeah that's pretty cool yeah and there's just a lot of weirdness to this movie part of it's the ineptitude the low budgetness Mm -hmm. and part of it is just like what the fuck (laughs) like when they go to visit the astrologer oh my god and it's just like brother theodore is just going on his spiel and it's like what is happening (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that, that that one's fun there was a lot of um we played a game during this called spot the dude who invented pornography and like <laughs> half the dudes in this movie looked like yep that's the dude who invented their pornography hair and they're like get up yeah there was the one dude whose mullet was like it wasn't business in the front it was like male pattern baldness in the front <laughs> party in the back mutton chops for days yes he had mutton chops too oh man you oh. would have to order like the choice cut if you wanted those <laughs> mutton chops <laughs> this is another vinegar, vinegar syndrome right this is a vinegar yes. syndrome they do that. They're good for that. Mine's also a vinegar syndrome, but it's actually a special feature, a secret Easter egg special feature on a vinegar syndrome release. Oh. I'm going to recommend 1973 as well. Uh, the Last House on Dead End Street. This movie, to view it currently, because all the copies are super out of print, you need to have a copy of Vinegar Syndrome's Corruption by Roger Watkins and... I can't remember exactly how to do this. Maybe I'll tweet it out when I remember or figure it out. But you have to do like button presses in the submenus to get this secret option that is <laughs> this movie, also by Roger Watkins. Holy shit. Um, it's called Last House on Dead End Street. And the reason it's on this disc is because it's by Roger Watkins, who did a lot of hardcore porno and stuff. Mm. But he only copped to that in like the last 20 years or something like that. Oh, Forever. Man. No one knew who made this movie because everyone used a pseudonym. Mm. And it got so much legacy along 42nd Street circuits because they assumed maybe it was a real snuff movie because <laughs> everyone was a pseudonym. It's grimy. It's right. low rent. The plot concerns a guy who was just released from jail for like, he was in jail for a year possibly Rikers I don't know I can't remember exactly but I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. and so to get back at society from imprisoning him he starts making snuff films and uh lots of that like low rent sort of like we're gonna whiz the power tools and pull out handfuls of butcher shop guts kind of thing Mm. Uh, but it's really grimy and sleazy and a little fun bit of trivia is it's presumed that Toby Hooper's very inoffensive movie The Fun House was considered a video nasty 
because this movie was also released as The Fun House, uh, and they banned the wrong movie. The geniuses they were. It was also released as The Cuckoo Clocks of Doom in a version that ran nearly three hours long. Jesus. Given that this version just squeaks over an hour, it's like, what was cut from this fucking movie? Um, wow. I guess Roger Watkins didn't realize it ever got a release until someone saw him on the street and recognized him because he plays the title role and say, oh. hey, you were the guy in the stuff movie. And he's like, what? And it's like <laughs> he didn't know his own movie had been released because it just kind of fell by the wayside Amazing. and no one cared. Wow. So uh, the movie is very low rent, very grimy. I remember he worked up a very cheap budget, like maybe $10,000, and most of that went to heroin for the crew no or doubt. went to drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm thinking of the right movie, I'm pretty sure that's the trivia for this flick. Got to pay them somehow. Um, in a way that matters to them. Yeah. Is meaningful. Uh, but yeah, so this one fits very much in the whole, whole of 42nd Street trash fire. And uh, I guess that'll do it for us this week. It's cool to be back. We're recording in our new space. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it was a little chillier today because it already feels a little warm up here. Yes. Um, we Our recording space is now in a converted loft of the place we live, and it's... Uh, I get, I the, get the feeling that it very much takes the temperature of the world around it. Yes. Where it's just like in the winter, this is going to be like wear all the sweaters kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, more than likely. Um, but we'll find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Until next time. Take it easy and keep it sleazy.